Hi, and welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. I'm Kevin Hillier, speaking to another author again today about a book called Easy Money, Seven Steps to Bust Your Bills. Before we do that, though, a reminder about our fantastic podcast partners who also are in the money business, and they're in the business of helping you make the most of your money and achieving the goals that you want to achieve with your money. The best way to find out about everything they have to offer is to jump on their website. It's cscg.com.au, or give them a call and have a chat. 9974-8333. And then you'll discover that they're great people to deal with. They really do care about uh, where you are in your financial situation and how they can help you uh, to, to better it and to get to where you want to go to. So give them a call. 9974-8333 or that website cscg.com.au. Joel Gibson is our guest this week on the Authorised Podcast, written a book uh, called Easy Money, Seven Steps to Bust Your Bills. It's a follow-up to a previous book called Kill Bills. It's a fascinating book. It's a really easy book to read, and it's a book that's got a lot of sensible and practical ways that you can do things with your bills that will make your life a lot easier in a financial structure. I'll get Joel to explain how a lot of those things work, but let's, uh, let's chat to him now. Joel Gibson, the author of Easy Money, Seven Steps to Bust Your Bills. Easy Money, The Seven Steps to Bust Your Bills. Now, this is a follow-up book, so just explain to us where it fits in the in the scheme with Kill Bills. Yeah, sure. So it's essentially, um, so probably about half the book is is the same as Kill Bills, so it's three years' worth of kind of um, updates. Uh, there's, a, there's a few new chapters that I've added in, which is new stuff that wasn't in Kill Bills, and I've also kind of rearranged it um, to focus on where the low-hanging fruit is and where the easiest savings are first and foremost. And then you can kind of ramp it up to the high degree of difficulty if you're feeling um, confident, ambitious. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself because, uh, you know, saving people money and working in the money business was not was not where you started. No, it wasn't actually. I was pretty hopeless with money for the first sort of <laughs> 25, 30 years of my life. I was like, you know, my, like most 20-somethings, I was living sort of uh, pay, paycheck to paycheck and kind of begging and borrowing money for the last couple of days before the next... Um, Next one hit my bank account and stuff. But uh, I sort of fell into this because I, uh, I I sort of finished up as a journalist at the Sydney Morning Herald after 10 years. And um, and the first job I took out of there was just a sort of a temporary thing working for uh, a new organisation called One Big Switch. It was a new thing that hadn't really existed before. And the, the idea was getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers together and negotiating on their behalf as a group and trying to get better deals. In the early days, it was on mortgages and uh, energy energy plans particularly because those were the bills that were really um, expensive at the time or going up steeply. So that was kind of how I fell into it and then I sort of learned a lot about money saving on the job and in the past kind of decade, I've... Um, I've become quite passionate about it, but it was quite accidental. Because the beautiful thing about the way you've, you've written the book and the way the book's presented, and Kill Bill is obviously, Kill Bill is obviously the same, is it's not written like a, 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 an economic aficionado or, a, you know, a, some sort of uh, economic nerd. It's actually a bloke who I can relate to who tries to pay his bloody electricity bill like I do. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that I've, um, you know, I've had to... Uh, interpret, if you like, or kind of get my head around the jargon that uh, personal finance and business, uh, you know, reporters and commentators use. Um, and it's a bit of a club, you know, it's a bit of a, like anything. I used to be the legal affairs reporter at the City Morning Herald for a while. Now, I had a bit of a background. I did a few years of a law degree, so I had a bit of a grounding and, and that sort of gave me enough of the language to 
make sense of what they were talking about in a high court decision and then try and translate it for the average person. But yeah. um, uh, but that's what I've that's what I've tried to do with money because uh, I came at it as somebody who, you know, didn't we didn't sit around the dinner table when I was a kid and talk about personal finance um, like a lot of families. Um, and I didn't learn much about it at school, really, apart from the compound interest formula, which we all learned but didn't really understand the importance of in year eight or nine. Yep. Um, um, so, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's my sort of take on it is uh, I'm somebody who kind of learned a bit about money late in life and, um, and so I can kind of understand what most people really don't, um, don't get about, uh, about financial jargon. One of the things that struck me, and just to have a look at it, uh, was you talk about our, our fear almost of, of haggling of actually trying to get the best deal for ourselves. Is that, and, and you know, I've just spent some time talking to Sam Kekovich about the un-Australian campaign they're using for, for the lamb thing. Is, is, is haggling almost un-Australian? Well, it certainly feels like it sometimes. I mean, you know, I think we're kind of a bit stuck now. These In modern Australia, we're kind of stuck between a culture that does haggle and a culture that doesn't, right? Anyone who's ever been shopping in Bali knows that it's kind of just, it's expected there, you know? The price is not the price. It's uh, it's the price you can you can haggle and it's kind of expected of you. But And I quote in the book, a, a travel writer has a great line called Ben Groundwater, has a great line in one of his articles saying, there's a name for people like us who aren't comfortable haggling. We're called Westerners. <laughs> Culturally, it's just not necessarily something that's ingrained in our culture that we learn growing up. Some people love it and uh, come it comes quite naturally to them. And, you know, I've got examples in the book of um, readers from of Kill Bills, the first book, who saved thousands of dollars. And uh, those women are natural hagglers. They, they, they've got the gift, but they've also used some of the strategies in the book to enhance their gift, if you like. Yeah. Um, one woman saved over $6,000 and she actually worked for years at the fruit, big fruit and veg markets in Sydney. There's probably no better place <laughs> to learn. Look, I, I say to people who want to know how to become a good negotiator, don't worry if it comes naturally. You don't need to be born with it. It's uh, it's the Kissinger model. You, you, you can speak softly as long as you're carrying a big stick and <laughs> the big stick is leverage. And when you're talking about household bills, the best leverage is just knowing what the cheapest deal is in the market. If you're talking to your energy company, Energy Company X, and you know that Energy Company Y has a deal advertised that's uh, $200 cheaper, tell them you know about it. Tell them you're willing to move for it if they can't match it or beat it. And you'd be surprised sometimes. You'd be surprised how often they do match it or beat it. And they suddenly discover uh, what I call an under-the-table deal sitting in their bottom drawer, which wasn't advertised on their website but is... um, somehow available to people like you who are threatening to leave. One of the things that I, I love about the book is that you almost give us a script to use on the phone with the company because that is often the most intimidating part of it is actually putting what you're feeling in your guts and what you're looking at on your electricity bill or your health benefits bill or whatever. Uh, to put that into words is often quite daunting. Yeah, it is. I call it a David and Goliath situation because you're just this tiny little punter who you know maybe deals with this, this issue once a year uh, when you get your insurance renewal or, you know, a big energy bill or whatever. The person on the other end of the phone, they do it all day, every day, and they work for a big business that has actuaries analysing all the data and, you know, so it's what it's what economists call a massive information asymmetry between you and that business. But I, I also say in the book that I think that the playing field has never been more level than it is now. That sort of uh, that asymmetry is being gradually addressed and it's, it's all down to 
technology and the internet because the tools we have available to us now, a um, bit like, you know, David's slingshot, which was enough to take down Goliath, or our equivalent of the David slingshot is some of these online tools which are just incredibly powerful at giving us, in a matter of minutes, the information we need to negotiate with these big businesses. And it's just a matter of knowing which tools to use for which problem and that's all you know, in the book, obviously, but it's just something you, that's something you learn from, from doing it. Um, and I've done it. And so I'm telling people, yeah. don't waste time with that. Go directly to there and use that tool and, uh, and then you call them up and say this. Given that we've got all that information and given that we've got books like your book that, that help us navigate us through those things, is laziness still the number one reason why we just don't do it? I think there's definitely a bit of that, but it's not always laziness. Sometimes it's busyness. You know, I think a lot of us are flat out busy and um, we might have on our on our to-do list. Um, you know, look, I've had on my to-do list for months now to return a pair of shoes that my um, son, I bought him as school shoes. They, you know, they, 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 a, pole, a hole popped up in them and after a month. I complained to the manufacturer. They said, no worries. Send them back and we'll give you a refund. Those shoes have been sitting on my floor for three months, right? <laughs> that's been that's been gradually sort of on the to-do list but getting bumped further down. So sometimes it's just busyness. Um, but also I think some people just frankly are a bit allergic to, to money and they hate the thought or the, the thought of even spending half an hour dealing with a, a household budget or dealing with a you know utility provider makes some people anxious and makes them it has this they have this visceral reaction to it. So um, and I completely understand that too because I was like that until I started yeah. working in the area and learned on the job how to win at this stuff. So um, that's largely what this book is all about. That's why I called it Easy Money and that's why I've, I've created this easyometer and given everything an easy rating from easy to easier to easiest just so that people know if they've got minimal time or minimal energy for this stuff, they can start with the stuff that's, that's, that's simplest and it's going to get them the biggest bang for their buck with them with the with the least hassle. Uh, and if they then get a bit of confidence and momentum, they can go on to tackling some of the bigger ones. And the uh, the first chapter of the book basically is is my, my first couple of questions: Why did you write the book, and why should we read the book? I mean, you you cover that off in that first, and then there's virtually that that next chapter is, uh, I guess, the equivalent of a cheat sheet. It's the the seven really quick ways to immediately save some money by. You know, jumping on and seeing if there's any unclaimed money uh, that the that either of the governments have got of yours that you should have. Yeah, I think I I think I called that chapter. If you only do one thing in this book, yeah. Um, I'm sort of there was a there was a similar there was a version of that process, kind of twenty two step process, I think it is, but seven main kind of bills. There was a version of that in the back of my last book, Kill Bills, and I realised and I regretted it afterwards because um, I, I basically. Put that at the back of the last book and was left thinking that should have been right up the front because if people can just go through this kind of shortened process, this kind of highlights really, if you like, of the savings tricks in the book and they get a few wins, then they're more likely to read the rest of the book and do some of the other stuff in it. So that's part of sort of easifying the money-saving system that I've created this time around was to put that up the front, rejig it, for uh, 2023 because so much has changed since uh, the last book in 2019. Um, don't even get me started on the last few <laughs> years. But, um, but yeah, that was one of the first things I did was move it up the front and it really is just a boil down, you know, if you're only going to do a handful of things in this book, do these ones, 
because these are the ones that are most likely to get most households an easy saving of hundreds of dollars. We all went through the pandemic in, in different ways and it affected different industries in different ways and, and some people continued to make a good a good wage. Some people made no money at all. My industry was decimated. The musicians of the world had nowhere to play and all, all those things played out. A lot of people did well out of it. But has the attitude of consumers towards you know, electricity companies and banks and all that. Have you seen a perceivable change in that since the pandemic? Yeah, I think what you've what you've sort of um, touched on there is that it was a real winners and losers kind of uh, situation, wasn't it? You know, some people who could work from home uh, actually had, you know, quote, unquote, a pretty good pandemic and put a whole bunch of money aside. They couldn't travel, but they might have. Look at, for example, the retail spending data, which has just come out today and said that in November... Um, 2022, we spent more than we did the year before in a record amount. So you've got the RBA trying to kind of cool the economy and stop people from spending, but you've got a proportion of people who've got this massive kind of pile of cash that they've stashed away during the pandemic and they're still spending it and that's part of the reason why we keep seeing interest rates go up. I think that's about to grow into a halt. I actually think a lot of people were having a bit of a last hurrah Mm. Uh, at Christmas time, and I think in 2023 we'll see a lot of people really batten down the hatches. Even those people who did put money aside during the pandemic, you know, the reality is a lot of those fixed rate loans at around two percent that millions of Australians took out during the pandemic on their on their homes are expiring this year, and those rates are going to go to probably five percent um, roughly. So that's more than double the cost of people's mortgages. It's going to be a real, they're calling it a real cliff face. Yep. Um, and so even people who've had it pretty good are going to probably have a bit of a reckoning this year. And I think 2023 is going to be the year that a lot of people, as some have already had to do in the last couple of years, a lot of people, you know, take control of their money because they have no choice because they're just going to have to find ways to save, cut their costs and also find extra money to pay for increasing costs. Yeah. Has the attitude of uh, organisations like building societies and banks and, uh, and uh, you know, health benefits people and all that, has that changed now that consumers have become a little more aggressive in their uh, mission to, to get better rates? Yeah, I think in some cases it has. I mean, certainly when you look at the banks at the moment there, because we do have millions of people rolling off these fixed rates, there is a bona fide refinancing war going on between the banks. It's actually had a, a, a medium-sized lender complaining in the Financial Review newspaper last week of uh, "quote unquote" su- suicide pricing by the <laughs> big banks uh, in trying to attract new customers at the moment. So you can get cashback deals at the moment with um, some of the big bank subsidiaries. They're generally ANZ is offering four thousand dollars cashback, for example, to mortgage refinances if you go through a broker, but. With the other big banks, they tend to be doing it through their subsidiaries. So Westpac has Bank of Melbourne, Bank SA, um, Rams and other subsidiaries, and they're offering big cashbacks through those. NAB has UBank offering, you know, as much as $5,000 cashback through there. So they're going, the big banks, even if it's through other brands, competing really hard and actually taking, making life quite difficult for the smaller and medium-sized lenders who in the past have always been significantly cheaper. But... Uh, you know, there is a bit of a difference in the rate. Some of the big banks are still off, are still charging more on the rate, yeah. but trying to get you with the cashback. Um, but I think there is definitely an acknowledgement there from from lenders that people are negotiating hard and they're and they're prepared to switch. And so they're kind of you do see <laughs> markets respond when people 
uh, prepared to start moving. And it's usually when you get this massive increase in prices like we've had in mortgages. And electricity and uh, and those uh, sort of things have also been another one that's gone through the roof of recent times. One thing that I did get out of it was, and particularly when you talked about the telcos, is don't bother about the name brand. You know, you've been with Telstra for 20 years. Why are you still with Telstra when all these others? Because they basically all sell the same product. Yeah, well, there's only three mobile networks in the country and every, every provider is on one of those three networks. And, uh, you know, some people say they need the Telstra network if they live in regional areas, for example. Well, that's 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 all well and good, but there's there's you know, I think there's about um, between half a dozen and ten other other providers that use the Telstra network, and some of them advertise that they have access to the entire Telstra network for often a fraction of the price. So, look, I, I just think that Telco is one of those classic cases where half of Australians are with one company. Some of them are consciously choosing to be with that company because they're getting a good deal. A lot of them are just with that company because they always have been. So. Um, that's when there's a real, real massive potential for a saving. I think is when people have been with the same company for years and years, have never demanded a better deal, they've never been prepared to switch. If they are prepared to move now, they can really cash in. Yeah, you've given in the book uh, names uh, to uh, to some of the, uh, the the tricks and plans that you use, the De Niro, the Elizabeth Taylor, and that. How did you come up with those? Oh, I don't know. I think it's you know actually you know what the inspiration was for that. I can't, I do remember now. Um, this shirt brand that I'm wearing here, it's a New Zealand brand. They used to have a shop around the corner from where I worked and they gave every shirt uh, a catchy name <laughs> and, uh, and I really liked the way they named their shirts. So when I started drafting the Kill Bills book a few years ago and trying to put together this money-saving system, I thought, you know, how can I give these savings tricks a name that will kind of give people a, a mental image in their head and a way to remember it and, um, and I love, you know, I love movies, um, pop culture, and so obviously the title of Kill Bills was a pop culture reference. The new title, Easy Money, is actually a pretty dodgy 1990s movie with Joe Pesci and um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. It's also a Billy Joel song, and it's a Bruce Springsteen song, so um, ticks a lot of boxes. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and so I use a lot of pop culture references, whether it's Robert De Niro, Elizabeth Taylor, The Red Dog, great Australian film, just to describe those um, strategies. Well, how is uh, how is your dog, uh, Sonny, the money saving dog? How's, how's he going? He's great. He's great. Unfortunately, he thinks his job is to police the uh, <laughs> the, the footpath and the fence line, whereas uh, he was hired to help us save money. So um, there's a bit of a disconnect there between uh, what he thinks his job is and what we think his job is. But uh, he's doing great. <laughs> uh, what are you working on now? What uh, have you have you got another book uh, to to take this to another step, or have you taken this as far as you can take it with this book? Uh, I don't know, actually, to be honest, what's next. I, I'm obviously writing my – I write my weekly newspaper columns in the SMH and the Age in the money section each Wednesday and I do a bit of uh, t- TV and radio off the back of that. Um, uh, and I'm also, you know, still doing some work for One Big Switch and Nine Saver, the kind of consumer networks that I've worked for over the years. Um, and, uh, and, and I mean, I suppose the, the newest thing I've done in the past week is I've just, uh, launched a TikTok account for the first time. All right. I think I'm the oldest person on there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was just curious actually to have a bit of a look at it and, and see how it works. And so I'd set myself a challenge of posting a new money saving trick or hack every day for 365 days. And I'm up to day eight, I think. So we'll see how that goes. How, how, how are you going? You got another 357 left in you? 
Ask me in uh, ask me in about <laughs> eleven and a half months' time. But actually, what I have what I have found is it's actually it's really easy to find something every single day of the year. It's not uh, it's not hard. Sometimes it's you know I saw a special on Golden Gay Times where you could get a you know, box of Gay Times for a buck each. So sometimes it's sort of you know it's as, it's as simple as that, and then other times it's like how do you um, how do you renegotiate your mortgage and get uh, thousands of dollars in savings? So I'm sort of including the sublime, the ridiculous, and everything in between. And now, for people sharing those stories, their wins, I mean, you talk about that in the book about sharing your wins and letting you know your wins. How does that kind of network start to work around uh, so as we we know that if we all go to uh, black and gold, uh, you know, telco now, we're going to get a good deal? Yeah. Well, we need to do more of that. Uh, Unfortunately, money is one of those things that um, we don't talk about enough. You know, and uh, and there are some online communities of people who do love to talk about this stuff. There's a fantastic um, bottom-up sort of organic uh, online community called Oz Bargain where people post deals and stuff that they've seen and then others have the ability to vote it up or down so there's a real kind of democratic element to it. There's a lot of rat bags on there. It's a pretty interesting sort of uh, environment. But, yeah, there's some fantastic, you know, money-saving ideas there. And, of course, Facebook groups I think has been another place where people have... Um, you know, learned a lot about this stuff over the past decade. Facebook groups are a fantastic way for people to um, share what they've found, learn from each other. Um, so, again, you know, again, it's a case of digital tools um, filling the breach where we've sort of uh, maybe not done a great job in our sort of person-to-person um, uh, relations of, uh, of, you know, talking enough and learning enough and sharing enough about money saving over the years. The thing with money is that whenever money gets put on the table, dodgy people come from left, right and centre. What's your thoughts on, on that in terms of all of a sudden someone saved X amount of $1,000 on their home loan? Yeah, look, that's, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And actually, that's, that's been one of my big takeaways from, from joining TikTok and having a look at what's on there. There's just so much kind of get rich quick, quick BS and, you know, crypto stuff and probably countless scams and, uh, you know. So, I mean, I'm, I, a lot of, I, unfortunately, people like me often get lumped in with people who are spruiking kind of get rich quick and wealth schemes. Oh, anything but. I reckon your book's anything but that. Yeah, we, we, obviously, I, yeah, I, I agree it's very different. But I think there's there's a lot of that out there and, unfortunately, I mean, to be honest, regulators are working really hard at the moment with what they call finfluencers, just trying to wheel them in, and okay. um, and uh, and keep and sort of make sure that uh, they're at least, at the very least, being completely upfront when they're advertising something and getting paid for it. And so that is a new kind of front that regulators have opened up in the past kind of six months or so, um, because some of these people are incredibly powerful. They've got enormous young, relatively naive, credulous audiences. People can fall for this stuff really easily and very easily get um, get screwed, which is a real shame. Yeah. Oh, there's no promises in your book. There's no, uh, you know, 100% guarantees. There's none of that stuff in there. It's a guide to what you can do to make a difference to the bills that you get in your letterbox or on your email, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And I think it's terrific. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I wanted it to be, you know, a lot of it's actually about psychology and habits. There is obviously a lot of detail in there about money-saving sort of strategies and techniques. But a lot of you – know, there's a guy in the US, Dave Ramsey, who's a very, very um, successful and popular broadcaster and fine, personal finance kind of guru. And he says that, you know, paying down debt, for example, winning at money is 80% uh, psychological and behaviour. 
and 20% head knowledge. Um, and so often it's just about actually understanding. There's, there is a little bit of psychology and a bit of behavioural economics in the book because I'm fascinated by what we've learned over the years about, you know, human nature and how that makes us good or bad at this stuff. And as soon as you understand that, that these things like status quo bias and loss aversion and anchoring are all just part of how we're built, human nature, then you can kind of work against them when they're, when they're working against you. So yeah. first step is understanding these things and the next step is um, is knowing when when it's a kind of an albatross around your, around your neck. <laughs> yeah. Not hey, listen, thanks so much for your time, Joel. I really appreciate it. Uh, well done on the book and uh, look forward to, to whatever is, uh, is coming up in the future. But it's, it's very sensible, it's very practical and it's very workable. Fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. Really appreciate you having me on. My thanks to Joel and also to his publisher, Simon & Schuster. Good book, that one. Easy money, seven steps to bust your bills. Now, when you've done that and you've got money and you're starting to uh, find out what you want to do with your money and the financial goals that you have are becoming a little more crystal clear in your head, I've got some people you should talk to who will make it all happen for you. And they are CSCG. Give them a call on 9974-8333 or jump on the website and see the services they have to offer and the people you'll be dealing with, CSCG.com. They will help you achieve your financial goals. Till the next time, read a book, have fun, enjoy yourself. I'll talk to you again soon on the Authorised Podcast. Listener.